Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. On TikTok, people are obsessed with chiropractors cracking and adjusting the necks, backs, and hips of people with built-up tension. And I'm one of them. Listen to this one here. It sounds and looks a bit freaky. Here we go. Oh. oh, my God. Sounds like bubble wrap? It sure does. Dr. Cody is a Sydney-based chiropractor who has found massive success on social media, particularly on TikTok. People love this satisfying formula of watching Cody in anticipation of something happening. It looks like he will do something nuts and then crack. Dr. Cody uses the fastest growing social media platforms to grow and elevate his chiropractic business right here in Darlinghurst. He has a powerful and loyal follower base of 300,000 people on Instagram and 3 million on TikTok. And because of that base, people travel for hours just to be cracked by him. We discuss how entrepreneurs can reach up to 1 billion video views online just like Cody does. We discuss how to leverage your audience and convert your online presence. And he's also got a few contrarian ideas about what's currently being discussed in the hustle culture. So let's jump right into it. Dr. Cody, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're just down the road, actually. Uh, we're neighbours. You're not far from here. You're very close to St. Vincent's or Dr. Uh, Victor Chang. Yeah, right across the street right across from that. And um, things that look like they're going really well for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I tell the boys next door that I was uh, um, having you here today for the podcast, um, they said, oh, Dr. Crack. Is that <laughs> uh, is that your nickname? Well, that's probably what some people call me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been probably called a lot worse. It's pretty good. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I didn't quite know what they meant by that, but, uh, but mm. probably it's got something to do with what you do to people's neck. At the yeah, end of the day. and their whole entire spine is what I do as a profession, yeah. So and, you're a um, chiropractor. I am a chiropractor. So maybe explain to me what is a chiropractor. I mean, I've never been to one, so. Okay. Yeah. So ultimately, a chiropractor works really on the nervous system of the body. So the body is self-healing and self-regulating, and the master control center of that is the brain and your nerves and your spinal cord and all that. So they control every single cell, organ, and tissue in the body. Chiropractors are experts at identifying where there's pressure on the nervous system. And then we use spinal adjustments or peripheral adjustments to help to correct for that, get the body moving and functioning to the way it's supposed to. Right. So, so because I've had, you know, like everybody, I mean, I've had neck issues, you know, I had lower back issue and I, I never saw a chiropractor, but this, this is going back a long time ago before I even ever heard of a chiropractor. Yep. I had a back operation. I had a laminectomy and, you know, down here at St. Vincent's actually, 
Okay. And uh, my mate uh, Timmy Steele did it. And um, going back that far, and he was only young then too. And um, but no one ever talked to me about chiropractic. Physio, yes, I heard they they say I'll go and see the physio, and the physio couldn't help. And they went to an acupuncturist, and acupuncturist couldn't, didn't, did nothing happened. Then they just said, well, you know, there's a pinch on the nerve. You've got to get it fixed. Does it happen before surgery? Does it happen after surgery? Or well, ultimately, there's there's a time and a place for everything. Yep. And I see more my role as, you know, this is potentially before surgery. But if it's not to the level, like there are some patients that come in and I look at their scans, their MRIs, and I just go automatically go and see an orthopedic surgeon. Yep. Like that's, you know, that's that's well beyond my scope of practice. Um, and I'm quite honest with them when I do that. Now, you know, is every case a surgical case or could potentially be a surgical case? Mm, I don't know, maybe not. Things that aren't quite that severe don't really require that level of intervention. And that's where chiropractic is really good at looking at health and prevention rather than disease and surgery, which is ultimately what kind of surgery and medicine, they wait until there's a problem and then they help to correct for it, to fix it or use medicine or surgery or whatever to help. Whereas chiropractic is better at keeping the body functioning to the best of its ability. So you exude health and wellness. So we're kind of on the front end. And that makes sense. So that part of your body, uh, to me, it's a bit scary, but that part of your body that connects your brain, uh, the, 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 the major, major center of your body, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like to me, it doesn't take much to fuck it up. You'd be surprised at how resilient the nervous system is when, I mean, this is probably getting a little bit gruesome, but when we were in chiropractic school back home in the US, you know, we're working on cadavers. And you have to identify every single structure in the body. You're dissecting away and you're kind of looking at all these structures. You'd be surprised the blood vessels are actually a little bit more uh, fragile than the nerves are. The nerves are very tensile. They're very strong. You can stretch. You can move them. I mean, think about the range of motion that you can put your body through. All the tissue of the body has to accommodate for that. And even though you'd think, oh, you have to be really careful, you have to be, I mean, you can take a hell of a lot of trauma before significant damage is done to your body. To, to the nervous system. To the nervous system. Wow. Yeah. So, you, I mean, your body can tolerate quite a bit. Because you hear about people breaking their back, breaking their neck. Cause, and the reason yep. I had to see uh, Tim Steele was because he's a neurosurgeon. And yep. um, my orthopedic friend said, look, it's spinal type of deal you better really need to see a neurosurgeon for that type of surgery as opposed to someone like him who is an orthopedic surgeon yes um that that in itself made me nervous um all they had to do was shave a bit of the the bone off that was basically touching on the nerve yep that was giving me the pain but and and it was i I, be honest i've been my back's been perfect since then um other than the only thing i now is carry a bit of stiffness and a scar basically it was like when i think about cracking my back or cracking my neck i think fuck is something going to get broken you know, is he going to break something on me? Or like, because when I hear, I, I've seen, I've seen some of your videos, like these cracks. Like I'm waiting for it, and when it cracks, oh my god! Like on TikTok, I'm, oh, like it's sort of like I can f- sort of feel the vibration mm. coming off the off the phone or off my device. Yeah, I mean, it's no different if you were to just pull my your knuckles. finger a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so you open that up, it creates a little joint separation that creates a vacuum within that joint capsule, and that's what releases. You have to keep in mind too, and in the spine, there are a lot of joints in the in the spine. You know, from the next vertebra to the next one, there's two on each side. Then there's the next one. 
And then when you get further into the ribs, then there's also rib attachments onto there. So a lot of joint space. So when I give an adjustment, it's a very, very precise, controlled adjustment. So I know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas someone that just kind of comes behind you and gives you a big bear hug. Yeah. Like well, when you go to the uh, massage joint they, yeah. and, and they, uh, they stick their elbow. Yeah. Probably not the greatest idea to have that yeah. done. Um, but I mean, all we're doing is that cracking noise is just those joints opening up those moving, relieving that tension there. And it's that gas that's inside that joint that diffuses to the surrounding tissue. And that's what creates that that cracking or popping noise. So, so how does it give me relief from whatever I'm feeling? So it's more the joint moving properly now. So then once it moves, it opens up and it frees up that space, which will then allow that, that nerve that exits next to that to not have that pressure onto it. And you'd be surprised, like a lot of times I'll do before and after tests. So I'll do muscle tests, I'll do orthopedic tests, I'll do neurologic tests. Um, I'll figure out exactly where I need to adjust. I'll adjust those segments. And then we retest everything afterward. I think it's really important to quantify what I'm doing. Um, and then we test and then lo and behold, wow, everything's, you know, a lot stronger. It functions better. Even the patient goes, wow, that felt way better. Um, and that just allows their body to then free up and function to the way it's supposed to. It allows the messages from your brain to communicate to the rest of your body properly and also to get those messages back up to the brain. So think of your nervous system and your spinal cord as a two-way street. So not only are you sending messages from the brain to the body, but you also have to get messages from the body to the brain to analyze. So we want to create that, that two-way highway as, as best as we can. So let's say I, I theoretically come down to see you, I make an appointment with Dr. Cody. Um, what, what's the process? How's no, it so the, the first thing is we have a long consult. So we'll, we'll sit there and chat about you know, your, your health history, what's going on, what kind of maybe previous accidents and injuries in your case, surgeries as well that we would look at. If you did bring with you like x-rays or MRIs, that's great. That's a good starting point. I don't necessarily recommend that everyone goes out and gets x-rays or an MRI or that. There, it has to be clinically relevant to be able to do that. So what we do is then we go through quite a thorough examination where I'm checking, you know, your posture, then your ranges of motion, then we check muscle tests, we check reflexes, uh, dermatome sensitivities, we check orthopedic tests, we do neuro neurologic tests. I check, I check everything possible to give me as clear of a clinical picture as possible. If there are any yellow flags or red flags that show up during the exam, then I may say, oh, hey, we need to, in order to proceed, I need to get a, a better picture of what's going on in here. Let's get you in for an x-ray or an MRI or an ultrasound or, or whatever, whatever the case might be. Blood work, go talk to your GP, get this done. So I think that it's really important that even though I would love to help absolutely everybody with everything possible, there are certain restraints on what I can achieve with someone. And I think it's always important to put the ego aside as the doctor and to put that aside and go, well, what's best for this particular person? And then we have to create a strategy for that. It's interesting also um, to hear that, but it's also from my point of view, consoling because chiropractors and or other people who, you know, are so-called outside the, you know, the mainstream, let's call it the old mainstream medical environment, which is doctor of medicine, who's a, a GP for argument's sake, um, have a, sometimes can get a bad rap um, for whatever the reason. I don't even know what the reason, but they have, have done. And maybe because most people don't even understand what they are. Um, therefore, what we don't understand, we fear. And, uh, and we tend to talk about it. Um, and uh, 
But on the flip side, I know plenty of people who have got their favourite chiropractor and, and they'll swear by those individuals. Yeah. And like if you say, I've got a sore back or sore neck, mate, I've got a chiropractor, <laughs> you should go and see this guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm serious. I mean, I've so as many times. As long as I'm the guy, I mean, <laughs> that's all that well, matters. Well, I think you're going to be closer when I look at the number of people you, who are following you. But who are we talking about now, your clients? I mean, where are your clients coming from? I mean, geographically. You know, the old school way of thinking is to really target a very small radius around where your practice is and try to get as many of those people as possible. It's pretty much anyone with a spine is who my patients are. I've got patients coming from four or five hours. Like the other day I had uh, some people come from Canberra to see me and I even sat them down. I was like, I, like, I'm very humbled that you want to come in and see me, but there's probably a thousand chiropractors between you and me. Why are you coming here? And they just said, well, listen, ultimately We've tried a few of them around us. I'm not really satisfied with the results. So I think his wife had come across me on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it was, and they were just like, you're the guy we wanted to see. That Instagram TikTok thing is, to me, is fascinating because not many people in your profession go, not just in chiropractor, but just generally in a medical, go Mm. on um, those mediums. Why did you decide to go on uh, I started off on Instagram and this was probably three, four, four, maybe four years ago, I started doing the videos and it was because I really hate to say this and I'm not going to name names, but there was a chiropractor out there that had posted a few videos and I make sure that every single adjustment that I ever give anyone is the best possible adjustment. Um, and I wanted to then say to the world, uh, at the time, I didn't really care. I just wanted more followers than him, frankly. Um, (laughs) He had about 10,000 and I was sitting at about 1,500 and I was like, right, I just want to beat him. Yeah, fuck you. I'm I'm competitive. I'm competitive, right? So, and I was like, let me show you what a a good fucking adjustment looks like. I wanted people to see what a really good adjustment looked like. Yep. That's all it was. And I pride myself on that. I make sure that, you know, if I'm going to put it out there for the world to see, including every chiropractor out there, they can tear me to shreds. They can tear me to shreds on some of the wording that I'm using. They can tear me to shreds on my, I don't know, my hairstyle, my clothes. Like, I don't care. But they can never fault me on my technique. So if I'm going to put something out there, I'm going to make sure that it is the darn best technique I can possibly do. And I mean, I learned from the guy Thomas Bergman, who wrote the book on chiropractic technique. So I better be good. And then I started posting on their regular little videos. And then, oh, then I started seeing my followers start to creep up. And I was like, oh, okay, people must be liking this. Um, So then I started doing more and more. Pretty soon before I knew it, I had about 50,000 followers on Instagram. So I was pretty chuffed with that. And then I had a couple patients um, come in and they're quite well-known on social media, um, Joel Bushby uh, and Steph Jade. So personal trainer, that kind of online influence. He's known as the natural transformer up in the Gold Coast. And he's like, Cody, you got to go on TikTok. And I was like, what is this TikTok business? Um, And I had heard of it and I just thought it was just a bunch of like teeny boppers doing a few little dances. And I was like, he goes, no, 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 just use the same stuff. He goes, even shorter, just, oh, can I be your first one? And I'm like, okay, you help me set it up. You can be my first one on there. Then he goes, can I take my shirt off? (laughs) And I was like, are you getting confused with OnlyFans? I'm not doing OnlyFans. (laughs) So, um, But did he get the shirt off? 
He did. He got his shirt off. But um, I adjusted him, posted the video. And at the time when I, when I downloaded TikTok, I just, I put on there, yeah, notifications are fine, you know, whatever. And for the next probably 12 hours, my phone did not stop. It was, it was incredible. It was really quite amazing. And um, then I was like, whoa, what's happening here? So then I posted another video of me adjusting Steph and all of a sudden that got, but we're talking 17 million views. We're talking what? 20 million views. What we're the talking fuck? 30 million views. Serious? Right from the get-go. And then the rest was history. I got millions of followers overnight. And then that kind of fed into, of course, then my Instagram following. And then that's now comfortably sitting a few years later at nearly 3 million on TikTok and nearely 300,000 on Instagram. So just what do you think the, the adjustment <laughs> on him, apart from him not having a shirt on, was it because he was well-known or was it because he did the shirt off or was it because the noise of the crack or what was it, do you think? I think potentially a combination of everything. I mean, I don't write the algorithms. So no, no, I don't totally. know. But you um, must know how the algorithms sort of work or what works for you in the algorithm. So I was probably on TikTok the very first chiropractor to go on there. Right. Or okay. at least the, the most well-known one at the time. And I used to think that everyone has seen a chiropractor before. This isn't anything new. This is what I do isn't special, right? I soon realized that there's a lot of people in the world that have never seen a chiropractor, that have no idea what the hell it is. And when you watch it happen for the first time, it's shocking. Totally. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy to see it. And then and I realize and hear it. And, but that's what I wanted to share with everyone is that, but also then the reaction. And I think people instantly could see the smile on their faces or the F-bombs that are dropped or my reaction to it. People really felt like they were a part of it. And it's genuine. Like, I'm not telling my patients how to react or what to do. It is genuine. When I saw it this morning, because I'm one of those people, I've never been to a chiropractor. I've never really known. I sort of knew they did adjustments about it. But uh, I've never, certainly never heard the noise. I actually felt the vibration. I sort of felt as I could feel the vibration of the crack. Do you have to ask their permission? How does that work? Yeah, so I certainly ask all of my patients you know, before I record. And I don't record everyone. Um, sometimes I'm just in the zone that day of just focusing on other things and I don't even think about it. Um, sometimes though, I know that there's particular patients that do probably crack a bit better than others. How do you know that? Um, they've seen me before. Right. Okay. Um, but sometimes I, I don't know, it's like a sixth sense. Maybe it's a chiropractic sixth sense that you just kind of know it's going to be a good one. Like you can just I don't know. It's hard to explain. You can just feel it in your hands when you're when you're palpating someone's spine. You're like, oh, this is this when is going to be good. When you're spine, palpating or feeling, feeling the spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah feeling yeah. the spine. When you run your hands down, you kind of hone in on a spot, and then you're like, oh, that's 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 going to be a, a a nice one. You can you just kind of know, and then then I get really excited. I'm like, oh, can I record it? So they give me permission, and I'm like, you know, listen. Most people have seen my social media. Yeah. So they kind of know what I'm going to be doing. If they haven't, then I show them and they're like, yeah, yeah, cool. There's a whole group of people that really want to be a part of it. that really want to share and being in the experience. They're like, yeah, do it. And then I can show everyone else. They really like that aspect of it. And then there's the polar opposite where sometimes I ask people and they're like, no, 
just just flat out, no, I don't want to be recorded. And I'm like, oh, it's all good. They're like, I just like watching people get cracked. So they're the the voyeurs of yeah, the group. Yeah. It's sort of, it's, it's a bit, you're right. It's a sort of a, a weird um, experience. Um, I, I don't know whether I'd want to do it or not. Is there any danger in it? Certainly there's a risk with any kind of treatment that you're giving yep. anyone, right? Um, the risk of anything is very, 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 very low. And that's been well documented. So what you don't see in those little 15, 30 second minute clips is that whole entire exam that I do beforehand. Right. And that's really important that you're so thorough there that it will catch any potential problems. And if there is ever any kind of a red flag that shows up or I feel like something's needs to be investigated further, I just don't adjust them. You yeah. know, if you were on my table and you're like, oh, I just don't really like the feel of this or something. Okay, well, then we just won't do that. You know, no harm, no foul. and. Really, when every chiropractor and every person in the medical industry, anytime, you know, when, when we graduate, the first thing is the Hippocratic Oath, which is at first do no harm. And that's really important. That always plays on my mind is what I'm going to do to this patient. Is this going to help them or potentially harm them? And if there's even 1% where it's like, ooh, this could harm them, I just don't do it. It sort of has to me, from a viewer's point of view, the way I felt about people who bungee jump. So, um, you know, like I, when it first came out, that is um, bungee jumping, that voyeur point of view, like, shit, mm. is the rope going to break? Is it dangerous? Yeah. Um, how are they going to be? They're going to be scared. Uh, what happens when they hit, yeah. get to the bottom of the rope and they're going to bounce back up? What's it all like? I really don't understand this bungee jumping stuff. It's a bit like that from a, a, a viewer's point of view, but that's how mm. my approach was to what you did. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, maybe not quite bungee jumping to that extreme, but a lot of people do say the same thing. They kind of, there is, and I purposely do this on the videos, there is just a little bit of a suspense that's built up. Yeah, yeah, totally. There is the, oh gosh, what is, what is he doing? What is he, what's, and then bam, the crack happens. And then you see this huge shock. And I think in, in every good chiropractic video, when people watch it, the shock value is there. Um, and then there's that, reaction. There's how the patient has responded. You know, did I rip their head off? Did I kill them? No, they're <laughs> laughing. Why are they laughing? What's going on? Oh, and then there's, there's that little bit of interaction there, which is, I think, really quite lovely to be a part of. I think from my point of view too, is uh, a bit like the bungee jumping. Would I do that? <laughs> yeah. Know, or would I get my neck cracked? I was watching you this morning and uh, the, the particular person you had on there, teasing them into a sense of, um, nearly a hypnosis where they're not suspecting anything and you catch them by surprise, which is sort of what they do with a bungee. They said, come on, come on, they tease you to the edge, they push them over. <laughs> yeah, but it's very interesting what you did. It's sort of quite an interesting technique. Could you just take me through that? Yeah, so the reason why we do that is I need the body to be completely relaxed. It will give a much better adjustment So it's so then there's no resistance. If your body tightens up, if the muscles tighten up and I need to use either a little bit more force, it can be quite uncomfortable for the patient. And it, it might actually be a bit uncomfortable even lingering after the adjustment. And that's, again, not what I want to do. And I've learned through the many years that I've been seeing patients now that I'll just wait. I'll wait for your body to tell me when it's, when it's ready. Um, and I tend to use other techniques 
You know, I might tap on the side of their neck or I'll tell them to wiggle their toes or count backwards from 83 by sevens, or I'll, I'll do something to get their mind off of it. Sometimes I just get them chatting. And then as soon as I can feel their body relax, this is where I suppose the art of my profession comes in is as soon as I can feel them relax, bam, I've got it. But I have to be ninja fast. Yeah. Every adjustment that I give is what's called a high velocity, low amplitude thrust. The high velocity, so low amplitude. very fast, but very slight and controlled. Right. So every adjustment has to fit that criteria that I give. And the faster I can be with it, the less chance that the body will react. Right. So it will give a really good solid adjustment that will hopefully then last longer. But if the body's fighting it and it's tight and it's pulling against it, well, it's just going to go right back to where it was. So you have to... Um feel your way through the process, mm. um, earn the relaxation and comfort of the patient. Yeah. And uh, that comes like, honestly, that comes with time. Yeah. You know, I've seen hundreds of thousands of patients before. So, you know, I, I graduated back in April of 2009 and I've been doing it ever since then. So 13 years and counting, I've adjusted a lot of people in my day. So you I mean, that's why it's called practice, right? You keep getting better and honing those skills and keep listening. And it's interesting, each patient's also a little bit different to the next. So how one person reacts versus the next one might be entirely different. Um, different strategies that I may need to employ to try to get them to relax. Or I know that maybe they relax a little bit more in a seated position rather than lying on their back or whatever. It, it's kind of fun to... To learn that, to explore that with the patient. You've mastered your art and skill mm. and theory of chiropractory, but I want to go to the break because when I come back, I want to talk to you about the other thing you've mastered and that is how you use social media, which is quite phenomenal of what you've done. So let's go to the break. We'll come straight back. with Dr. Cody and in a very short period, relatively speaking, short period. Um, and for a person who's not 18 or 22, could be like 29 or 32, um, has mastered <laughs> TikTok big time, big time, big time. And Gary V would be very proud of you. So <laughs> tell me something. How did you learn the art and become a master of those environments? Entirely self-taught trial and error. That's all it was. Uh, and this is what I tell everyone that comes like, oh, how did you start? Right. And I was like, well, you have to start from somewhere, anywhere. I don't care what it is. Just try, put it out there and then see what works and what doesn't work and hone your skills and change and adapt. I think that's really important to do. Um, and that's kind of what happened. I just, I think a lot of it was also very good timing on my part. There wasn't another chiropractor on the platform. They weren't showcasing what I do. Uh, so, of course, it spread like wildfire. The nice part about my videos as well is it doesn't matter what language you speak because it doesn't really matter. You don't need to listen to me go, relax, 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 crack. Everyone understands kind of what's happening. There's a, there's a universal language there. There is. That's what I also think helped it to spread 
very quickly globally. Um, you know, I wasn't sitting there. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. In fact, there was pretty much no dialogue to start off with. And then I was able to just share that with, with everyone, and it just took off very quickly. But if I was to pick a, uh, a profession that wouldn't have taken off, um, I, I would have said something in the medical industry, unless you were sort of carving someone and pulling a heart out or something like they're doing something really radical. Um, mm. But I definitely wouldn't have picked chiropractor. Do you think that not anybody, but pretty much any subject matter by a person with the right skills and understanding of these mediums like TikTok and Instagram yep. could have relatively modest success? A part of it is, and a lot of people tell me this, is they can see that I'm passionate about what I'm doing. I, I don't know what they're picking up on because it's just me being me, right? So I have a little bit of personality which comes through on the camera, which is probably to my advantage. Can we park that? Because yep. sa that sounds we'll like a non-negotiable. Yep. Yeah, you have to have that. Personality. Yeah, personality. Some form of personality. The other thing that I think has worked is, like I said before, we had mentioned a little bit earlier, is there's kind of like the three elements to my videos. And the first one is, is that suspense. People don't really understand exactly what's taking place. So personality. Yep. Suspense. Suspense. So there has to be some form of a very short buildup. In TikTok terms, this is one to two seconds. It's not long. You just want to capture their attention somehow. Is it mystery or suspense? It's suspense, suspense. I think. Yeah. Mystery is, oh, we have to wait to the very end to find out what's happening. You're going to get that way faster in this case. So it's like, ooh, what's the buildup here? Then we get to that middle part, which is the shock moment. So you've got the suspense building up. Oh, what's happening here? Bam, shock. Shock. So then we put that right in their face and we go, in, in my case, it's a very loud adjustment. It's a crack, right? And people associate the crack with, like you had said before, breaking of the bones, so that's not what's happening. So people are like, wow, if they, if they have these preconceived notions of what a chiropractor does or what that cracking noise is, they'll have their own set of rules in their heads that say that cannot be good for someone, right? Yep. Then you see at the very end a reaction, an emotion. People like to emotionally connect. We're, we're emotional creatures. We've got very large parts of our brain that is the emotional control center, and that's why it's quite developed. So we want to connect with people. So when they can see the person laughing, or they can see them saying certain things, or they can see, they're automatically now connecting and going, oh, they didn't have their head ripped off. They didn't die. They didn't, they actually are laughing. Oh, that must, that's funny. That's weird. Oh, geez. And then they start to go, I wonder what that would feel like. And every single video that I post kind of has those three main sections. So we talk personality. So we go, personality. Personality is there, well, right? You've got, well, got to be able to do it. You've got to be able to carry yeah. it off. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it's me. Like you want to be genuine personality. Yep. Like it's, you, you can't put it on. People are really good at picking up fakes. Yeah, yeah. So you are a chiropractor, so yeah. that, that helps. But that helps. <laughs> yeah, yes. But, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking necessarily about chiropractory, but I'm talking about anything. If anything, you got to be. You got to be uh, taken as fair income in relation to the thing you're doing. Absolutely. You know the shit you're doing. You, Absolutely. If you're in the beer business, you better be a beer brewer. Or, yeah. a, or a big drinker or something <laughs> to be able to talk about uh, the subject matter. Yeah, you better have a big beer belly if you're, you're gotta, doing beer. Like, so you've got to be able to convince your subject matter 
expert, so to speak. Yes, so, and that's for sure. in the personality, right? Absolutely. Then there's a suspense. Yes, and and oh shit, what's he doing? What, what, yeah, we kind of it just piques our curiosity. And the the third one was is basically the outcome. So it's it's yeah, it, it, the emotion. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's like we, oh yeah. Yeah. There's there a wow go. factor. Yep. So you don't know how the algorithm for TikTok works, but has Dr. Cody worked out the algorithm for? <laughs> <laughs> that's an algorithm because they're out, but we just gave me a recipe, okay? You just gave me a formula. Yeah. All an algorithm is is a is a model is yep. modeling or or basically a a mathematical expression, so to speak, yep. where things get different weights put on them. Yeah. Variables, you yep. know, uh, the wow, the suspense, and the personality, or the or the or the uh, believability. Yeah. Um, you put weight on these things, certain weights on these things, and you apply this formula or this algorithm. Mm. So whilst you might not know it. Instagram or TikTok. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Algorithm, algorithm is, you know, the algorithm works for you. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I, I know how to kind of, I know that my videos hook people in and they will watch most of the video. So when I first started using TikTok, that was one number that I really looked at. And I could get that information through the insights on it. So I could look there and be like, okay, this video is 15 seconds long. What's the average watch time? And that was really important for me because I wanted everyone to see, I mean, I wanted them to see the whole thing. Like, it's like going to a movie. I hope that if I ever created a movie, people would stay until the very end. But if you're watching a movie and halfway through, you're like, this is shit. I'm out of here they'll leave. But then the problem is, is now they'll never come back to you. When you're doing that analytics, which is really important in all these social mediums, which most, most people don't mm. do, but in terms of the analytics, did you have to adjust your algorithm, your recipe or your formula based on when people were dropping out and saying, hang on, they're dropping out after 11 seconds. That maybe the last four seconds of that algorithm wasn't working for me. So I've got to, mm. I'll try this. I'll try that. Yeah. So I adjusted it slightly. So maybe like you might adjust my neck. Yeah. Just a little one here, little one there. Uh, ultimately too, it's, it's really that first, that first few seconds is what I was adjusting at the front, at the, the front. front. Right. Cause that will have an impact then of if someone will watch the whole thing makes sense. Right. A lot of people think that, Oh, if they're only watching to 12 seconds out of the 15, there must be something wrong with the last three. It's not, there's something wrong with the first. Right. So you didn't grab their attention enough. Yep. Because they want to know what's going on. Yep. And then if it's something drags on, uh, next. Unfortunately, social media is very, it allows that to happen. It doesn't. 
it doesn't force people to watch the whole thing and then go into the next. It's very uh, done, done, done. And I'm a culprit of this as well. When I watch social media, you know, when I have it come through on my feed, I'm very much the same thing. If it doesn't grab my attention right away, flick next, uh, flick next. Ooh, what's this one? And then you watch it for a little while. And then if there's any kind of like even a second, a millisecond of kind of a lull where I'm like eh, disinterested next, it happens. So I just wanted to make sure that I was able to keep people's attention. And it really is in that first very short period of time. Because, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, he's lucked it. He's got all these followers, et cetera. Um, it, it's never lucked. Um, you've trial and error this, see what works, For what sure. doesn't work. It seems like to me the way you have gone about the 15 seconds for argument's sake in the example you just gave me, the word manipulated is probably not the right word, but no, manipulated <laughs> your audience, which is like yeah. one big neck. And uh, <laughs> it's similar to the way you uh, lull me into it, drag yeah. me into it to make sure that I'm relaxed enough to allow you to adjust yeah. my neck. It's, it's sort of like, it's like you've employed the same skill against your audience. For sure. And I mean, why not? If that's what I know, that's what I'm going to keep doing. We're creatures, of, we're creatures of habit, right? So we'll keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And then if you need to fine tune it, you can, because uh, that's just human nature is to do that. So what's the goal for Dr. Cody? I mean, you're going to go from being um, or stay doing what you do in a professional sense to perhaps becoming a um, run masterclasses on social media. And that's ultimately, yeah, I've been really gifted some amazing opportunities coming up where, I mean, even sitting here talking with you allows me to share my knowledge that I've acquired um, and learned. And, you know, listen, like business hasn't always been the easiest thing in the world. There's challenges that, that are there every day. Mm. Like this isn't, this isn't smooth sailing for me, um, but I've learned a lot of valuable lessons on the way. And ultimately, if I'm able to share uh, with other people, if I'm able to inspire other people, potentially, if I'm able to just help some people, great. That's what I want to do. Um, ultimately, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, so I love creating things and evolving them and then getting on to the next thing. I mean, if I'm not doing, you can ask my partner, if I'm not doing 20 things all at once, something's wrong. I just get a bit bored. So I'm constantly evolving and changing and adapting. But ultimately, I, I want to be on the big stage sharing all my knowledge with everyone. It's interesting. I, I used to work for someone and he had the mentality of he's acquired whatever knowledge, X, Y, Z. And I always felt like he wanted to put it into this safe and then wrap it around with chains and then then weld it shut and then put it on the bottom of the ocean so no one else could ever get this mm -hmm. yeah. bullshit knowledge that he's acquired. But he never wanted to share it. And it was always like, oh, they can go learn it themselves. Well, then how are we going to evolve not only as a species, as humans, but also just, fuck, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. It doesn't cost anything to share with that. All of that knowledge that I've learned and acquired through these years and on social media and in my business, it's not groundbreaking. It's not. Anyone could have done it. If it wasn't me, it would have been someone. But I just happen to be the person that's bestowed upon this. So I want to share it. It's what gives me fulfillment. It makes me happy. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've also set up a scholarship fund with my alma mater. I want to try to give back and help as many people because we don't have to rough it anymore. There's people like you and me that that are experts in our field. And I think it's almost my duty to share it with others, to experience other people. And I, I would. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because like... I can't take it with me. What are they going to do? Crowd freeze my brain and then somehow extract all these memories from me? It's bullshit. It doesn't work that way. And the only way that I can give that forward is by sharing it. It's sort of what I do with a mentor to some extent. That's why I started it anyway. But Mm. at some stage, being an entrepreneur, you you will inevitably try and turn it into a business, um, which is what we will do. Um, And I, I guess when I look at your chiropractic business, I mean, it is... It's limited in that you might have 3 million people want to come and see, but you can only see so many people and or employ so many people to see so many people. Correct. And it's limited in in a mathematical sense. But you could make a lot of money. It's not just about money, but you could turn out a lot of money by talking once to a million people or two million people, whatever the number is. Absolutely. And would you would you think about is it we talking about YouTube or what what or standing on a stage or what, what's your I want to be on stage. You want to be on stage, yeah. Yeah. I get uh, it. I, so. I I want that like through COVID as well, there was a lot more kind of this not one-on-one stuff. There was not this me in front of a bunch of people. It was in front of your computer screen. And I found that really quite challenging to connect with people. Um, and I just prefer to be in person on stage in front of a ton of people. I mean, in April, I'm going up to the Gold Coast to speak at Retail Fest, Retail Global 2022. And I did that last year. And then it got cut short because of an outbreak in Brisbane. So we had to come back early. But I really enjoyed the time that I did get to spend there. Now, you know, now this year, I get to actually give my proper whole 30 minutes to myself to share all this stuff with and um, I really, I, I feel like it gives me life. It gives me energy. I, I love that aspect of it. What is with us entrepreneurs? We, I mean, I'm sure everyone thinks we're shelves and, uh, <laughs> and or, or they think we're attention seekers or whatever. Yeah. But, but we like to get up on, I mean, I, I'll say this, right? If I got to go and talk to an audience, I say, I'm fucking going to feel like doing that. I don't want to do it. The moment I get up there, I, something weird <laughs> happens and I change and I sort of love doing it. Yeah. I'm exhausted when I get off the stage. Mm. I, I actually exhaust myself. Yep. Is that the same for you? Like uh, do, do, do you really love the performance? And not in, I don't mean in a theatrical sense. I don't mean that. Yep. I mean the performance of sharing and giving and uh, yeah. watching the audience and what, what are sure. they like. Yeah. And I like – a lot of interaction as well. So I'm not going to stand up there and give death by PowerPoint. I just think no. that that's just not a great. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kills me. Yeah. Um, when I've been on panel discussions before as well, I really like panel discussions because then you're bouncing ideas off of each other. As and in I, Q&A, you mean? Yeah. 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 Kind of that style. Interview style. Yeah. But yeah. then like if there's four of us that are on the panel, then we start feeding off of each other. Yeah, and I yeah. quite like that. And then I'm like, ooh. Bank that one. I'm going to work on that next week. Yeah. So there's there's things like that that I really like. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not one just to stand here and be like, oh, look at me, song and dance. Um, I like more of the the interaction, the the kind of the the tennis, the volley back and forth. I, I quite with like the audience that. as well. Yeah. You, you, and and do you enjoy 
looking for the response of the audience. In other words, shit, I'm boring them to death or I've got, <laughs> like, them, I've got them. I've got them. Yeah. And uh, I wish another half an hour because I'll just stay here and yeah. just talk it through. Yeah. And it's not about the money either. You, I mean, you can make some money out of it. It pays a few bills, et cetera, but it's not going to make you yep. rich or anything. But it's, but it's, and it's not going to make your following any bigger. We've already got a massive following as it is. So, yep. but it's about you, you get an opportunity to share that. I mean, that mm. sharing thing is really bloody important. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I look at Gary Vee all the time, Gary Vancek, and uh, and some people, uh, they either hate him or love him, right? I, mean, I, I yes. happen to really like the guy, right? I've had him yep. on my show. He's a good guy. Um, and, but he's really super genuine. Like off air, uh, away from the microphone, when he's not trying to teach, he's just a natural teacher. He's a born yep. teacher. He's yep. a really quiet guy, hmm. really quiet. You know, I saw you outside. You're really just the guy hanging out. But the moment you're in front of the microphone in front of me, you're not performing but you're, you're energised. Yeah, and I'm, you're I'm, sharing. Yeah, I'm switched on. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you had to learn to develop or have you always had that? So interesting. Even at a very young age, I liked the lead role. You know, even when I was, you know, growing up and I was, I was playing trumpet, I needed to be the first chair, the first part. I, you know, even in sport, I wanted to be the best. I, you know, and, and, and that has kind of stuck with, you know, even at a very young age. You know, I know, and luckily school came very easy for me. So, you know, I was constantly praised, you know, by teachers, by everyone in the community. I grew up in a really small town, but that was probably to my advantage because I felt like the whole community had my back. You know, I was really supportive. And then when I got into high school as well, same kind of thing. And I was even in extracurricular speech. So competitive speech. As we so debate? Yeah, kind of. Yep. There were different categories. And, oh boy, I love that. Um, public speaking does not scare me. Uh, in fact, I really, I actually really quite liked it and I excelled at it. So of course, anything that just kind of naturally came to me, I, I really quite enjoyed. And, you know, then when I got to university, then I started going down kind of the chiropractic field. So then all of that stuff kind of got pushed to the wayside a little bit. But, you know, I still have it in me. I still like to do that. I still like to lead. I still like to 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 share with everyone I, I like to be very good at everything that i do so i think that even at a very young age i was certainly you know maybe i wasn't born with it but certainly i loved doing it and i think that that's also important is that's another one of my passions right is being able to share and being able to explore with getting on stage and doing these different things so i mean i'm getting at that a couple of different themes though um and I just wanted to know where the weight sits. You said sharing. That's something you've always loved to do. To a natural teacher. And the third one is pay forward as a result of how lucky yeah. you've been. Yeah. Paying forward out of gratitude. For sure. Where's the weight sit mostly out of those three things? You know, certainly at this point in my career, I think that for me, sharing and, and probably teaching are synonymous with each other because I feel that sharing also teaches people. You know, I think that maybe further on in my career, if I'm doing less practice, less practical stuff in the clinic, I would probably end up doing more teaching in potentially a classroom setting. Or one of the things I really want to create is my own academy where I get to hone the skills of chiropractors, of people that do manual and manipulative therapy. So I want to go because I, I mean, I get messages all the time from other chiropractors or be like, 
wow, I can't, your, your adjustments are so good. They're so crisp and clean and your side posture adjustments. And I was like, I don't know any different. That's just how I do it. But they can look at that and go, wow, you are, you're the king at that. And I was like, okay, right. Well, how do I, how do I teach people this? And eventually I think that I'll probably be doing a little bit more travel and teaching as many of those chiropractors, physios, osteos, whoever's in kind of that realm, how to do what I do um, and do it well. So I think that later that teaching part, the gratitude, I mean, there's never a day that like, I even sit there sometimes and, and just sit in clinic or, or a patient will book in or I, or if I haven't seen a patient in a while, and then they also, they come in, you know, I, I'm so thankful for that. And I even just put it out there into the universe, you know, just thank you. You know, I've been, I've been given this grand opportunity. My business is very successful. Um, and I'm just, I'm thankful for that. And, you know, whatever powers may be in the works that have helped to get to that point, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all the lessons that I learned along the way and all the people that have helped me. I haven't done this alone. You know, there's, I mean, sure, I've done the social media stuff, but hey, if it wasn't for Joel and Steph to come on board and say, you need to do this. Okay, great. So I'm very thankful for them to give me that opportunity. I think a lot of times too, as an entrepreneur is you need to recognize the opportunity in front of your face and it's up to you to decide whether to partake in it or not. And I think too many times people are so focused on everything else going around them that they can't see what's right in front of their face. We talked about an algorithm before, but I think you just actually underlined some very interesting things about how to be uh, successful as an entrepreneur. Mm. Irrespective of your skill base, the best describes a lot of the things you said in terms of sharing and teaching is about generosity because, you know, a good teacher is a generous person. They're generous with the knowledge. For sure. Then these are are soft skills. They're not things you learn at university. They're not things you learn on the job either. They're just things that we have. So soft skills. So generosity to me is, I'd underline that, and and gratitude and clearly hard work. I mean, like the ability to put in. But those three things seem to be to me, to be three of the factors that have probably led to your unbelievable success. Yeah. Fair? Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting in, in the chiropractic world, there's all these, and I'll use, I'll use this term very loose, but coaches. And that's just like with any business, right? Or any, anything, there's all these yeah. coaches, yeah. life coaches, business coaches. Yep. Yeah. You see them. You see them. Yep. But they're all standing up there and they're like, we want you to only have to work three days. Wouldn't it be great to make a lot of money, but only have to work three days a week or two days a week? You, you hear it. This is probably not just specific to the chiropractic Yeah, I've, I've seen it across the board. Okay, across the board. So they're all standing up there and like, you need to have work-life balance. You need to be, but I was like, I fucking love what I do. It's not work to me. Like this is, this is my life. This is, this is what I love doing. This is how I get energy and this is how I give it. And this is how I'm able to, you know, have a a successful business and live in a nice home and drive a nice car and being able to travel and being able to give back and start up a scholarship endowment and to be able to buy my friends a drink. Like that's, that's how I do these things. And I always find it fascinating because I was like, I am still working six day, in the clinic six days a week. 
I don't mind working Saturdays. Saturdays, I make a shit ton of money on Saturdays. People come in, they're very loose with their money, and I am stacked full. <laughs> I love it. It's great, right? It is great. I well, I'm it. not coming on a Saturday, but I'll be there on <laughs> Monday. <laughs> My fees don't change on Saturdays, although maybe they should. Um, but ultimately, I, I just don't understand that mentality. And for me, I've, I've had a job since I was a kid. I was mowing people's lawns. I was helping my uncle at, out at the grocery store that he owned in Jeffers. I was, and then uh, in, in high school, I was a musical instrument repair technician at the Music Mart. And then when I got to university, I also had a job. I worked at a pharmacy and then I bartended for a while. And I'm not afraid of fucking work. But for the ones that are like, oh yes, let's just not work. Let's just sit back and let it roll in. It's never going to roll it's in. It's all bullshit. It is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. So like when they put 10X, I fucking hate it. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? I mean, I don't want to use any names, but it just kills me like 10, 10X. It's just all about hard work and smart and smart decisions. And some of you will make that aren't so smart. For sure. But Sometimes you'll learn you from that. Sometimes totally. there's very valuable lessons that you learn from that. But anyone that's going to sit there and tell you, you know, like if they're looking in at my business, I'm going to be the first one to tell you it was a lot of hard work. And it's a lot of stress. And me at the ripe old age of 38, yeah, I've, I've feel like I'm finally now getting a sturdy foundation. Took me a lot of time to get to that. And I had to build it from the base up. I wasn't gifted anything. I wasn't handed anything. You know, I didn't get anything fed on a silver spoon. Like I worked my ass off for it. And yes, I'm proud of it. I'm happy. But now I'm also happy to share it. Like, why not? Why not share it with others? You know, this is why I've hired another chiropractor at the clinic. I want her to experience what this is like. And why reinvent the wheel? That's just stupid. Oh, well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share with me. Like, do you, is there anyone asking? Yeah. So I've thought about this. Um, what do you ask the mentor himself? And a lot of times in business, I'm, I'm a bit of a risk taker, a calculated risk taker. And sometimes some of the things that I've done have led me down the path where I've realized that's not what I want to do. Where do you draw the line and not necessarily cut your losses, but just realize it's time to move on with something else? In other words, this thing's not working out the way I expected it to work out. Sure. That's a very good question. Um, and, uh, and sometimes I've made the fatal mistake of enduring the thing for too long. Um, yep. It's not, there's no mathematics or um, any particular uh, strategy involved. Now I, I base it on just on instinct, pure instinct. Yep. I'm done with this. And if my energy level is low, then I give it away. Yeah, okay. So, and my energy level, when I, I, I do assess my energy level. So I look at my energy level in relation to um, my, my, my customer base. So am I getting the right outcomes from them? Uh, and, and that means, is my product right? But I get my my energy levels that I try to assess also as in relation to people who are working with me. Mm. Am I able to employ or entice those people into my organization who give me the energy to make yeah. this business run? Yep. Because a lot of times if if the business is not right, you're going to attract the wrong people Absolutely. and you're just going to attract people who want to work from not if I pull out a, pay, a paycheck. Um, whereas you're looking for people with, who are hitting up with ideas and you'll know that the place is right, even if they might be struggling a little bit to increase your audience or increase your profit profitability or increase your revenue mm -hmm. number, whatever it is. But if there's energy in the joint, that usually is the best 
way to inform your own instinct as to what you should do going forward. Yeah. So that's I've learned that through trial and error over the, over the days. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes you, you can make a decision, I'm going to ditch this and it's just the wrong time. I'll give you a good example. Many years ago, 20-something-odd years ago, um, I ended into a craft beer business and uh, and this before craft beers were popular and uh, every in those days everyone drank Tui's and VB and whatever. And um, I we had six brands, six craft beer brands, um, and I decided after a certain period of time to get the hell out of there. And the reason I decided to get out of there is because they, I was the money guy, so I had to put money in, and uh, they kept it, the other partners kept hitting me up for more money, more money, and we weren't making any money, weren't, weren't getting on the shelves of the liquor stores, et cetera. The structure of the world was different in those days. Today, so we sold. We sold out. I, I just said, that's it, I'm out. Because I'm out. I couldn't get the energy from anybody. It was the right decision at the time, but mm. ultimately, I have to be honest with you, um, I didn't read into the market where craft beer was going to go. And some of those craft beers have... Someone bought them, they've taken over those crop beers and they've sold them for ridiculous amounts of money. Yep. I, I, I try to overanalyze this based on cash flow yeah. as opposed to working out what my audience wanted. My audience loved the beer. They loved the beer. They, they raved about it. The people who brewed the beer for me, we didn't brew it ourselves, we had it externally brewed, they raved about the, the beer and the names of the beers and I'm not going to say what they were, but they're well-known brands today. Um, and the people who worked at the brewery, they love brewing our beer as opposed to having to just, you know, turn out other brands, stacks and stacks. Of, uh, they just did millions and millions of cartons of the same thing and they've been doing it for 20 years. I didn't feel that energy, but just my partners, I felt as though I got emotional about it. I felt my, my partners were sucking all my cash out and uh, it was unfair yeah. as opposed to me reading the market properly and that is – gauging the energy of the thing that I was producing and the people who were working around me. Mm. And that was a time I made a wrong decision. If I'd have hung in there three or four more years, five more years, I would have had owned some of the biggest craft beer names in the country. And uh, so I got out too early on that occasion. Yep. Other times I've stayed in things for too long too. So the, I, I am often thinking about this very question. Mm. I never think it's trying to retire. Uh, that's not my thing. I mean, yep. I'm I'm a lot older than you. It's not. It's just not on my agenda. I don't give a yep. fuck. I mean, I work to the day I die as far as yep. I'm concerned. This is what I love doing. Absolutely. But now I absolutely live off the energy of the people that are around me. And mm. to be frank with you, I find having younger people in my environment yep. is much better. And I don't. Yeah, I'm not trying to be ageist, but a lot of people who've been around for a long time in business, and I'm not talking your age. I'm talking older than you tend to be just parking, parking themselves in a parking spot and occupying the space and maybe paying their mortgage off or whatever it is, they're not as energised. I, I, I look for people in, in my businesses who are younger and full of, you know, like real force and energy. Yep. And, uh, and that keeps me alive, keeps me backing up, backing up, backing up. Yep. But it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to do, um, mm. but you really, you really must understand the energy that's around you. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you did, um, that you were into kind of craft beer because I also was one of the three founding people of Jiva Kombucha. Okay, the kombuchas, yeah. I made it. Like that was that was you know we were all equal partners going into it, and I loved it. I loved the kombucha that I was making. Um, Scobies, I mean, they were. It was very interesting fermentation process, and we grew and grew and grew. Um, and then it got to the point where it was really energy depleting. Yeah. It just felt like everything was just sucking the life out of me because I would do that 
as soon as I finished work in the evening, I would drive to where we were, we were fermenting it and then to bottle it that night for, you know, all the orders that were coming through. And then I kind of had to time everything right because it's a fermentation process. And then so I would hop in the car and I'd, I'd drive over and then I would, you know, that was at, you know, 7 p.m. And then I would end up bottling until 2 a.m. And then I would hop back in the car, drive home, try to get a few hours of sleep and um, wake up. And then, then I had to take care of patients throughout the day. And then it, it would just, it would do that cycle. And eventually I just found that it was just, so after a year, um, I talked with one of the business partners and I just said, I absolutely love you. I think that this has been a great, a great experience and I'm so proud of what we've created. I just can't keep doing this anymore. Um, it's, it's, I'm not only am I suffering in my sleep, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy producing this anymore. And I'm then also behind the eight ball when I'm trying to treat patients and I just need to focus on what I'm good at and what I know. And that's chiropractic and that's what I'm going to focus on. And what you can control. Yeah. Yeah. Because with other partners, you can't control all the outcomes. Yeah. And listen, Probably great experience, and it's still there, and it's wildly successful, and, you know, it got to where it is, but I think I definitely bowed out at the right time, and it was the same kind of thing. I think it was instinctual, but so many people, I think, just keep trying to pound that square peg into a round hole, and they just force it and force it and force it, and then at the end of the day, there's nothing left of it because it's gone down the shitter. But so have their lives. It's it's drug and sucked all of their energy out of them. And um, yeah, that was one kind of very similar situation where it was the same kind of thing. If I would have stuck with it to this point, sure, we would have all been laughing and made you know healthy profits. But it it would have come at a cost. And you wouldn't uh, have been able to do what you did with your own business. Correct. Yeah. So I want to put all my energy and effort into what you know really drives me, which is chiropractic and and sharing and helping people and now who knows getting on stage and helping out talking to millions of people around the world um but i also want i mean i would love to crack every single spine on the planet like that'd be amazing <laughs> dr crack <laughs> thanks very much dr cody thanks very much i really appreciate it It was awesome thank you and i'm gonna come and see you okay great you better i'm gonna <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.